from the Lake Erie shores of Northeast Ohio. Hello, Cleveland! Rock and roll capital of the world and birthplace of the comic book superhero. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. This is the Panel Scanners Podcast since 2012. out that way and i just remember tim having like a 40 ounce prime rib uh-huh. that he ate it in like 15 minutes oh no and then when the waiter asked him for the tip he just belched at her face and she thanked him for it that is incredible I, yeah. the, the only one i knew about was in like the mentor area yeah you know that's not true right with that he belched in her tim god no <laughs> yeah i could a see 40 ounce prime rib come on now this is I, you were you're expected see this is like a chuck norris kind of a but you know at the thing. same time it, I don't know Tim as well as you do, considering you have well. a very long history with yeah, him, and mine is only the length of how long he's been on the show with us. And maybe Tim does have a secret I can eat a giant prime rib and burp in someone's face side of him that I don't know about. He does. Does he? Yeah, That's it's great. funny. He's a, he's a total non-drinker, but he can totally get drunk. Oh, yeah? Without drinking. That's amazing. You know, I could see that with him. Wonderful, wonderful man. Tim, we love you. We do, buddy. We love you a lot, Tim. Like a lot. You're a great dude. Yeah. I know this is making you extremely uncomfortable. That is the point. Are you blushing right now? I hope you're blushing I hope right so, now. That'd Tim. be good. Hurry back, Tim. We love you. Uh, hey, well, uh, this is really not something that our, our audience needs, but can you do me a favor and grab my water because I'm sort of blocked off. Oh, right? no. That's terrible. Hold on. Yeah, thank you. This is um, <laughs> Phil is walking. I will give you the play-by-play. He has grabbed the water. And it is now in my hands. Well done, Phil. Oh man, that was that was more work, you and I put in all day. Your uh, you've earned your keep tonight. That's good. I'm, um, I'm I'm glad about that. All right. So regardless, while Tim was away and while we were away, uh, there's some actually. I need to lower this. Yeah. News. Painful um, news. So you and I actually spoke kind of through text uh, prior to this that neither one of us uh, read a lot of Archie comics, right? No, I'm afraid I didn't. Yeah, it's just. I understand how among the greatest sellers. Oh, absolutely, in ever and long running and just. I mean, I'd say in this. Forgive me if I got the decade wrong, but in like the fifties and sixties, like right up there with Superman. Yeah, and I, I mean, I just think it doesn't necessarily fulfill what we're looking for in comics, which is fine. Like there, there's obviously. A market for it. They did like some Archie zombies and Predator stuff. and yeah, Punisher, like there's been weird stuff. I know Tim read the the comics for a while. Did he? Yeah, he told me he did. So I, I'm sure this would cut him a little bit deeper. But regardless, I, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that uh, the Archie comics editor in chief Victor Gorlick uh, passed very suddenly too. Yes, and uh, he was only in his 70s, I do believe. Yeah, around there, but I, I, he had been there a long time. He had been, and it's always sad when someone who is is a big name and such an uh, important person in this 
beautiful thing that we're we love yeah, the comic book uh, industry he, for sure yeah he's, and a, he's a titan he I is like and i i begrudge myself that i didn't take a little bit of time to to look into some of the things that he really did um other I, than his job when he passed i know he's presided over the resurrection of archie mm -hmm. um and the comic book sales from what i saw are doing relatively well but the riverdale I think he's, as I saw, he's a chief consultant. And obviously, Riverdale, the CW series, which is very, very popular. It is. Which is a obviously a reimagining of Archie. Um, but it's it's become this. I, there's a supernatural bend to it. That's I know my that. understanding. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've not obviously, you know, it's. I think it's meant for a young pre, young teen audience. So it's uh, something that um, I, I I'm probably not going to get into, um, but. You know what it is? It's, it's Archie is one of those things that's been around longer than we have, and it'll be probably be around longer than we are. And I, I still think it's one of those things. I'm glad it's still there. I mean, it, there's a there's a comfort in seeing things like Archie comics still existing. And I remember we spoke a, a while back where Mad Magazine went under, and even though I hadn't you know picked up an issue of Mad Magazine in a very very long time, it was really sad to see it go. So if something like Archie were to suddenly disappear, I think that would be a little bit sad. It to would see be it felt go. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm the same with Riverdale. Like I, I know of his existence. I've heard people speak of it, but. Heck, I haven't watched any of those CW shows that you've raved about from time to time or well, a lot. Uh, we'll be speaking about one of those <laughs> at length. Yes, uh, in our second half, actually, of this month. A couple weeks. Yeah, so uh, regardless, rest in peace, Victor Gorlick. Now, this one hit me really hard, yeah. like a gut punch. Rest in peace, Neil Peart. Uh Superlatives seem inadequate here. Thrown around too often are terms like iconic, legendary, etc. None are enough to examine the life of Neil Peart. Known in cool guy circles as the professor, Neil Peart was the drummer for Rush, unapologetically my favorite band. He was also an author and a voracious reader. If any listening are wondering why he is so high in our while we were away, while we were away feed, Aficionados will testify that Peart, the band's primary lyricist, wrote songs unlike any other with a true slant towards that which fans of comics would truly appreciate. The man suffered simultaneous unendurable tragedies, tragedies in the 90s only to emerge and prolifically, prolifically, I'm actually admittedly getting a little choked up reading this, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, um, he prolifically crafted new music out of that pain, vaulting Rush to heretofore unexperienced popularity with their final three studio albums, Vapor Trails, which is one of my all-time favorite albums, uh, Snakes and Arrows, and Clockwork Angels. Comic fans can check out Boom Studios' miniseries Clockwork Angels, which was produced by Kevin J. Anderson and Peart based on his work on Rush's final studio album of the same name, as well as Hallmark's from Rush's previous four decades. And like I said, I got to admit, this hit me like such a gut punch. It felt like an old friend passing. So um, I got to see them the last time in Ohio. Did the last, you? Yeah, uh, about four years ago. And it was one of the best concerts I ever, ever saw. I was never lucky enough to I, see them in concert. I saw them, I think, five or six times. That's crazy. Um, and they didn't come around often. No, no, not at all. That was the thing. All. They'd be gone five years. So the fact that I got to see them as many times as I did, I still remember I had tickets to go see um, the... Why can't I think the name of the album? Dreamline, Roll the Bones. Uh, mm -hmm. Roll the Bones. Um, 
I, I, I had tickets to go see them at the old Richfield Coliseum with Eric Johnson opening, and I was in high school, and I got as sick as I've ever been, and I was still trying to go, and my mom's just like, I'm so sorry. You can't go. You're not going to make it. And she was right. But I got to see them in 96. I missed them on the Vapor Trails tour because um, I was in college. I, I tried to scrape together the money, and I couldn't do it. Um, but then I got to see them for their R40 tour, R30 tour when they, when they had the um, – their 30th anniversary. I got to see them in Snakes and Arrows. I got to see them when they did their 40th anniversary tour in 2014. Um, by the way, they formed in May of 1974. So did I. Um, and I got to see them perform the at uh, the, the the then Gundarina. No, it was uh, the Q. Yeah. Uh, I got to see them perform at the Q, which was their concert DVD from that tour. That's so awesome. I have one of the concerts I went to. And I got to see them for the final time when they were out for their, um, their final tour. Um, so the Clockwork Angels tour. So... Yeah, it's it's this one felt like you know they were done, they had they hadn't officially announced their retirement, but he was in poor health and um we it was never announced but he had been in poor health for a while, and their final concert was in Los Angeles in 2016, and there was a moment where Neil never came out and took a bow. Um, but he came out from behind the drum set, you know, that massive drum yeah. set, like the fleet of drums he used to have. And he took a bow and people went, oh, this is it. And that was it. Um, so, man, oh, man, that's that's one that uh, there will be no replacing this. No, not at all. I've always been a very big fan. And uh, the bit that I've drummed, um, I, you know, that's kind of what you aspire to be, you know, someone that's that incredible. Well, you know what I was thinking? It wasn't, was it Rock Band? YYZ? Was that which one you were drawing? Um, well, I mean, that's one of. Sorry, YYZ. Yeah, there's there's more than that, you know, like. Yeah, but. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I was doing, obviously, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of tributes going out there. And uh, by the way, one of the podcasts I love listening to, you know who Chris Jericho is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he has his own podcast called Talk is Jericho. He's Canadian, and he had a couple of Neil, Neil Peart's closest friends on, and they just talked about all, just talked about Neil and like all the influences. It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic listen. I actually just sent Tim an episode today because it's all about Kiss. That's crazy. So um, I bet Tim loved that. But YYZ is... Toronto's airport code and the beat that is the Morse code alert for the Toronto airport that's cool I mean stuff like that I love yeah I, I love that stuff and I was actually also thinking I got to see someone perform live who is widely considered in the very short list of the greatest of all time to ever do it Neil Peart is widely considered the greatest rock and roll drummer of all time. You hear names like John Bonham. Um, uh, he, what's his name? I can't think of it now. He just passed away shortly before Neil Peart did. Peart. Um, oh, Ginger Baker. Okay. Yeah, you hear these names thrown out all the time. But Neil Peart, if you're going to talk like... It's hard to come to a consensus for those sorts of things. But you always like... There's a top three, right? Like, oh, if you're going to talk top three unquestionably Neil Peart is in the top three. Yeah. And I was trying to think the only other person I could say that I saw live that is in the consensus top three would be Michael Jordan. 
Um, because the thing about baseball, all the guys you would consider consensus top three, they Dog, were our grandfathers, yeah. like Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio Never and have the Mickey Mantle. And I think my father, our fathers grew up in the golden age of football. So Jim Brown and Johnny Unitas, those guys are kind of considered like the greatest. But we kind of grew up in that era uh, of basketball, right, where, where that was the greatest of Magic and Larry and Michael. So I was trying to think, like, really, I was very fortunate to be able to sit back and say, finally, I got to see two guys that were widely considered the greatest to ever do it, and that was Neil Peart and Michael Jordan. That's crazy. Well, it's sad. It's sad. So I guess on to other things. Um, Happier notes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with the weird resurgence of how popular the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have become again, um, the original image – Ninja Turtles uh, storyline, which has been repurposed as Urban Legends, is finally getting its lost finale that was never published um, prior in the coming months. Uh, have you read any of the Urban Legends? No. And so, I have read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics way back when they were the Eastman and Laird originals. The, the black and white ones, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so these... These aren't the turtles that I think the, anybody who grew up with the cartoon would really wrap their head around. It's way more gritty and right, like it was originally intended. Yes, uh, very early on, Donatello's body is like merged with a robot, and there there's weird stuff that happens, and yeah. it's hard to read, to be honest, in, in my personal opinion, uh, because I'm a big fan of the IDW uh, current run that is in issue like 103 next week. And I, I, I'm having problems wrapping my head around. I'm going to wait, I think, until the finale drops to actually read the rest. I've read the first seven issues, I believe. And there were, there were moments that were quite good. But it has that weird, almost detached writing that you find in a lot of 90s comic books. Do you know what I'm talking I about? I do. Where, like, you know what's going on, but it jumps really quickly from, like, one thing to the next. And the flow is a little lackluster. And I was having problems reading it because I was reading concurrently with the IDW, which is a very, very solid thing. But I think it's kind of cool to see something that was considered to be lost and that was should have or was never going to see the light of day get a conclusion. Uh, and I mean, I'm a giant Turtles fan. Oh, so, yeah. It, OK, so, you know, that Superman hockey jersey I have. Yes. Geeky jerseys. Mm -hmm. And you've seen the Santa Claus jersey. They just released their Ninja Turtles jersey. Did they? Called the Shellheads. It is so cool. Oh man, I need to look into that. Yeah, it's uh, it, I it would be really cool to wear that at Free Comic Book Day. I'll look into it. Yeah, I, don't, it's I, a, I don't know about the scratch for right now, but I. But will look. you know what? You know, it's I, I get where you're coming from, and I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be a pusher like the guys at Carols and Johns, as you so fondly put. Yeah. But it's one of those things like. When you pull that thing out of the package, you're going to go, oh, this is so great. I, I I have the Batman one, too. I don't know if I've, you've seen that one. I don't know. I, I've seen the Superman one. I'll, the Batman one's great. Are um, they are they pretty pricey? Because I honestly don't you know. You know what? They're 100 bucks, but they could charge 200 for those things. They they intentionally keep the price down, I think. And I, I bought one for as a gift for my buddy Gary. It's the Collector Series. Decepticon sound wave. Mm -hmm. It is incredible. I mean, it's 
the quality is so top. Geeky jerseys. This is essentially a plug for geeky yeah, I see jerseys, that, right? Um, I've got three, and I want to stop, but they they have like a, they have a bunch of Star Wars ones. Oh yeah. Um, Why wouldn't they? Oh, of course. Yeah. But the the coolest one they put out is is, is for Solo. But when I saw, um, I I would say of all the ones I've seen, and go on, they they got like fifty of them now, and there's some real they're deep diving. The Spider Man one's great. Um, but the I have to say when I saw that Ninja Turtle ones, it's among the best they've done. I need, I need to look at it. Let, let's see how much damage Disney and Universal does to me, and then yeah. then I'll see. It's if too bad it's, your birthday just passed. Oh man, yeah, a little far off for that one. So regardless, if you are a Turtles fan and you want a little extra Turtles, this might be worth jumping on, especially if you read the original Image Run and you were like, man, I wish they would have brought this to a conclusion. They finally are. Darren? Speaking of things that came to a conclusion that should not have, (laughs) um, DC is returning to legacy numbering. Inevitable, right? Um, Like like legit legacy? Legit legacy. Everything is going to not like the way Marvel does it, where it's like almost a footnote to the current numbering? No, they're going to go straight back to legacy numbering, but not all the way. DC announced that Wonder Woman and The Flash will return to their legacy numbering system as both are set to hit issue 750 early this year. DC released the following statement in advance of the releases, and this is from Senior Vice President and Editor-in-Chief Bob Harris. As with Action Comics and Detective Comics, Wonder Woman and The Flash are part of the DNA of the DC Universe. Resuming our legacy numbering for these titles enables both past and current fans to embrace the rich history of both of these iconic characters and is a reaffirmation that in DC Universe, everything counts. Now, as you might expect, I'm all for this. In fact, I I recall when we first started this podcast all those years ago, the new 52 had yet to happen, and I think it was announced shortly after our when we were doing our pilot episodes. And one of the things that I remember, one of the reasons I stayed in the comics is like I was we were getting so close to Superman 1000, and I was kind of excited about that. And then they announced all the renumbering, and they were like, "You're really gonna miss out on Superman 1000 and Detective or Action Comics 1000 yeah. and Detective Comics 1000." And it, of course, they you know they they backed off yeah, that of and course. said we're gonna have it, so don't worry, it's gonna be fine. So I mean, I think this is a good idea. I think it's great. It's you know it's funny. It shows you that uh, when the comics. How 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 much of a mainstay Superman and Batman were, because they just hit within the last two years each hit issue one thousand for Action Comics and Detective, Detective Comics, yeah. and now Wonder Woman and the Flash both are nineteen forty one only three and four years respectively, and they're only hitting seven fifty. So there's been periods where the two, you know, just they weren't around. Yeah, they were there. They yeah, were, they were around. But, I mean, that, I think that's great. I think it provides a sense of history. Um, Tom King. Uh, many would remember him from his uh, very well-received Batman run. Uh, is producing a Catwoman special for DC. Details are scarce, but DC confirmed that Tom King is working on a Catwoman special. King was praised for his long run in Batman, which included the storyline in which Batman proposed to Catwoman. King has also been collaborating with Clay Mann on a, on a long gestating Batman Catwoman series. More DC news. Robin is it going to be 80 this year. That is wild. Isn't that crazy? That is wild. Yeah. 
Um, and I kind of knew this was coming too, but I hadn't seen anything from DC. Well, um, first Superman, then Batman, now Robin. The eternal, eternally youthful sidekick to Batman is the third DC character to turn 80. And he's the third of the two of, of the characters in either one of the major companies to turn 80. Um, DC will celebrate it with a 100-page super special, as they call it. And in an official re- release, confirm a wealth of talent, including... Marv Wolfman, Tom Grummet, Chuck Dixon, Scott McDaniel, Devin Grayson, Dan Jurgens, Norm Rapmund, Tim Seeley, Tom King, Mike Jannon, or excuse me, Mickle Jannon, James Tinian the Fourth, Peter J. Tomasi, and Judd Winnick. Uh, there will also be pinups from artists such as Kenneth Rockefort, Nicola Scott, Andy Kubert, and Frank Miller. DC also confirmed that most versions of Robin will be featured, not just the first Dick Grayson, who is technically the character who is becoming an octogenarian. Yeah, so I, I think it's often forgotten that, you know, in front of some of the other luminaries, Captain America, Submariner, um, Aquaman, Green, Lan- Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Wonder Woman, Robin came first. Um, so that's, yeah, it is crazy. It's very that, wild. It's crazy, yeah. Phil? Uh, yeah, so one of my favorite comic series from the 90s was marvels i i know you read marvels right the beautiful alex ross yes. masterpiece so uh they recently did an annotated version of it uh they where they recollected it all with some extra notes and like uh storyboards and things for it which was very cool and i did pick up and right now they have marvels x going on which is a precursor to earth x which the first issue was a little rocky but the second was quite good however in the near future, they are going to do Marvel. This is, of course, a The Marvels hmm. comic series in which, from my understanding, it's going to be very similar to the idea of what Marvels was in the first place, in which it is normal people seeing these superheroes functioning. And it's being touted as all Marvel superheroes in one book. So they'll be able to show like the world with them, which I'm incredibly excited for. And it's going to kick off with a mini series called snapshot and snapshot is focused on a singular superhero and uh, kind of their world from the perspective of real people. And that kicks off in March uh, with the, uh, with Namor and Mr. Fantastic, I think, was the second one. Uh, so those should be somewhat interesting with Alex Ross at least doing the cover art for it, which I he's still one of my absolute favorites, just the absolute realism and almost painted version of his art. So that is pretty much the biggest news on the Marvel front at the moment. Darren, what's going on in the real world? In the real world, right? Uh, is that really what this is? Um, I, I assume. Here's an odd little nugget: gaming pioneer Atari is opening a chain of hotels. In a New York Times article, the company, which is inching closer to releasing its new console, Atari VCS, promises a one-of-a-kind immersive gaming experience. The first of the hotels will be completed around 2022 in Phoenix. Um, I got to admit, I'm really curious to see what this is. Right. Extreme, it's very much so. I feel just like Atari is so far off at this point. Yeah, that you it, know. It seems like a weird flex. I don't know. I, I, I get where you're coming from. Clearly not for me. I'm an Atari fan big time. Well, yeah. Really but like for the general pop, I would assume this is not something. I mean, they may be uh, tacitly aware of Atari. 
an Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I mean, in in the gaming community, it's it's pretty iconic, yeah, right? Like I think, especially people that would be booking rooms in a hotel would know about Atari. It must have. I mean, they, man, they must really think this Atari VCS is going to be something special. You see, but I just find it one. I've barely heard anything about the new Atari system, and two, you're going up against the big three right now that are all releasing new systems too. That's tough. Let me tell you something. You know, it was a Kickstarter thing, right? Yeah. I didn't support it. I, they, when it first launched, it was very, very vague as to what it was going to be. In the interim, it's getting closer to release. In the interim, um, it does look like they're going for a very specific market and, market, and I would be that market. So, I don't know. I mean, they may, the games look, uh, it's weird if you go and, take a look at the games they look very much atari but they also look very much like they're updated so i think like the gameplay is going to be a lot smoother but you're still going to get like a very atari feel see now i'm very into it yeah i'm very curious to see i, I hope it i hope it's really good because i'd i'd like to get one i hope it i hope it's fun um not to be outdone batman will be getting his own restaurant the themed location will be in a london it will be in london and promises a multi-sensory experience with different locations within the restaurant themed around central batman moments and characters no word as to what version or versions of Batman will be used or if the restaurant will design its own specific versions of the characters for the eatery. I mean, I remember briefly when uh, Jug Lake became Six Flags over Ohio. Mm -hmm. They had just kind of designed their own comic booky versions of it. and then But then they had the 1989 Batmobile was there for a while. So it was, it was kind of like, are you celebrating the whole thing? Are we doing one theme? Or what's going on here? So... Really, no details other than that released, uh, but we'll get bat burgers at least. They did say that uh, the drinks and the food will be very themed around the Batman. Mr. Freeze shake. Now let's say let's say if they go the route like uh, it's gonna be Batman know, and Robin in that place. Well, right. Yeah. If they go the route like um, like uh, Disney's Galaxy's Edge, mm -hmm. which you're gonna get to before I do. Yeah. Um, and they have the 1960s Batcave. Uh-oh. <laughs> I might have to go see wait, this. Wait, do you know where this is located? It's in Soho okay. in London. Okay. Um, and it's I guess it's in a basement of some place. That's so. quite the trip. Yeah, but, I mean, that wouldn't be the only reason to go. You know, to my, brother, my brother's moving back to Amsterdam. It's not too bad of a trip once you get over there. You just kind of bounce mm -hmm. around, right? On location, the panel scanner's here at the opening of the Batman restaurant. Oh, boy. That would be crazy. You hear that? We are available for uh, if you someone wants to pay us to go <laughs> produce a show for you. Oh, yeah, for sure. If you want to pay for our travel and, and, and stay, I, I'm I would absolutely in. consider doing this. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anybody would begrudge you if you did. Speaking of going to places to see things... Do you have you watched any of this Imagineer thing on Disney Plus? I have not seen it yet. Yeah, so I really, really want to. Originally, I'm kind of waiting until I know we're going again. I know. And originally, uh, Tim was supposed to be talking a little bit more about this, and I was really apprehensive about looking at it. But it's no secret that Spider Man is my favorite superhero, and they have made a giant animatronic, and by giant I mean normal human size animatronic. Spider-Man in California, the Anaheim Disney uh, land. This thing launches in the air, does flips, moves around. It is wild looking. Uh, really, Darren, at least do a Google search to see this thing in action. It is quite impressive. They launch it into the air and it does flips. And it's obviously modeled after Tom Holland's Spider-Man. 
which I'm sure they were quite thrilled when all of that back and forth of Disney losing rights to that Spider-Man and back and forth yeah. when they finally were like, all right, cool. We'll just kind of share it still. And things are th exactly as the way they were. I hope everybody liked that drama. But this thing is wild. This is something that if you had told me as a kid existed, I probably would have begged and begged and begged and begged and begged until someone dragged me there. Now, as an adult with oh, some, yeah, dis yeah, with a little bit of disposable income, I s can't convince myself to go to California for it. But it's cool to know it's out there, and who knows, maybe it'll make its way to Florida at some point. Well, um, from a animatronic Spider-Man to potentially yet another live-action Superman. Now, here is some potentially huge news. Based on the fantastic reception, Brandon Routh received reprising his role as Superman in the first three episodes of Crisis on Infinite Earths. A second Superman series could be in the works. Nothing has been confirmed, um, but the rumor is that Brandon Routh will reprise his role as Superman, that he he didn't necessarily vacate. They just never made a sequel to Superman Returns. Um I don't know if you've ever seen Superman Returns. I did. It's, That's how I felt about it. Yeah, I mean, it's not... It's a very strange movie. Mm -hmm. He is absolutely wonderful as both Clark Kent and Superman, which is something you cannot say for Henry Cavill's uh, version. He, he is, almost has no... No, uh, there's nothing to his Clark Kent, but Ralph, and in this particular, and in the Crisis on Infinite Earths, when you meet him, he's Clark Kent, and he's fantastic as Clark Kent. Um, it's been so well received. HBO Max uh, may be in on the show at, a, at an limited rate. Uh, also, CW might be in on it, but it really looks like if it's going to happen, it's going to be happening at HBO Max. Uh, it's what too, is going on? I know exactly what you're going to say. It's like. DC doesn't know that it has its own streaming network. So we have the streaming network, right? Right. And Green Lantern, going to HBO Max. Uh, Strange Adventures, going to HBO Max. So Wait, so hold on. So HBO, that that must be a Warner company then, right? It is. Okay, that's why. Well, that's why. But Now, here's my thing. I, I think the smart money is that HBO Max gets it first and it'll end up very shortly after on the DC network or DC universe. I'm okay with that because they already announced when uh, doom patrol season two hits, it's going to debut on both HBO max and the DC universe. So I think what's going to end up happening more than likely HBO max is going to swallow up the DC universe at some point, And you're going to have to pay for HBO max to get the DC universe, which at that point I'll probably just like, you know what? I'm out. But uh, I love the DC Universe. I, I, I'm on that thing all the time. Yeah, you, you seem to use um, it quite a bit. Yeah, and I'm hopeful. I hope it just ends up being that. You know, uh, HBO Max will get it. You'll, it'll release it once a week, and then when it's all said and done, it'll throw it on DC Universe. I mean, I don't get the stuff forever, so it, that wouldn't affect yeah. me at all. But it, that, that's starting to really, really stick in my craw, I just, man. Like, I think because HBO Max, there, there's other things on it that are appealing, too. And this is... This is what I was worried about from day one after we started getting all these streaming services that I was going to start getting the point that I remember when I was much, much younger and cable was a thing that everybody had that I was like, I just wish you could a la carte the things that you want. So right. now they're doing that, but these a la carte are costing you 7 bucks a pop, 14 bucks a pop, 20 bucks a pop, and they add up to more than what you're you paying know, for cable. What I'm going to end up doing is just canceling most of them mm -hmm. and sticking with – not Apple TV streaming service, but like what used to be iTunes yeah. and Amazon Prime. Like, you know, I'll just rent the series. 
Which, or pay, pay for the season. You'll end up paying probably less. Which works. Or you could do the thing that a lot of people are doing now where you wait until something drops, you pay for the month, and then you cancel your thing. Yeah. And just, just watch the things, which, again, if you think about it, even if it's, I don't even know what Netflix is at now because I don't. It's like fourteen ninety nine. So, so you pay your fifteen bucks. You watch all of Stranger Things. You watch all of BoJack Horseman or whatever else you want to watch right. on there. And then by the end of the month, you cancel yep. it. Like it's worth the money for that, but just have it sitting there because it's it's easier to do that way. Honestly, it's I don't know. Just hearing HBO Max and all of it, because like I'm an avid like South Park watcher. I enjoy South Park. South Park is moving over there. Uh, Rick, yeah, I saw that. Rick and Morty's going over there. Like a lot of things that are enjoyable animated things are hitting that. Uh, I know some of my friends that binge like Friends is going there. So like all these things are moving around too. That originally, I hold on Netflix because it's on Netflix. I have Hulu because it's on this, and now it's all bouncing away. Right. I don't know. I went on a tangent about that, and I apologize. I just oh no, it's I, I me think crazy. I think a lot of people are are right there with you it is and it's almost time, like hey if these things are going back on cable can i go back to that well and, and that's the thing like you you blink and then you're like the peacock what's this what do you mean now bet has a streaming service like seriously it's getting insane out there yeah and i mean that's that's the trend hopefully that someone's gonna buck the trend somehow um and, and it's, it's it's really too bad because and on one hand what are you getting? You, they're trying to get you in there by. I know that the Peacock streaming service they just announced, and I'm, I'll, I'll freely admit I've never seen an episode of Friends. Um, a Friends reunion. Yeah. I so saw of that. course, well, well, we're gonna pay you guys uh, a crap ton of money because this is gonna get people to just to come see you. You know what's HBO Max is trying to swallow up the DC stuff. Like, oh, Brandon Routh was well received. Hey, let's get a series with him going on. Disney did the same thing. You want a Star Wars? Yeah, series? here's, here's Mandalorian. Here's here's Mandalorian. It's not Boba Fett, but it is. Yeah. By the way, Obi Wan's on his way too. Yeah, wa- all these watch Marvel this thing, shows. and we're gonna announce all this stuff. And oh, by the way, it's not coming out for the first like year and a half. Right, right, right. But pay for three years up front, and, and we fell say, for and it. There's there's more coming, so hang tight. Yeah. Um, uh, moving on. Oh, speaking of streaming services, CBS. Yeah, uh, CBS Jeez. streaming, and we'll get we're gonna cycle back around to this here. <sighs> um, now, at the same time, though, something like this. Patrick Stewart appeared on The View and officially invited Whoopi Goldberg to reprise her role as Guinan in season two of Star Trek Picard. Also confirmed for the streaming service, CBS... I don't remember what it's called. All Access? I think it's called CBS uh, All Access. Yeah, that sounds right. Also confirmed that Michelle Yeoh's spinoff from Discovery, Section 31, is confirmed. Uh, season three of Discovery is confirmed, and a pair of animated series for both adults and children are also confirmed. So Star Trek's coming back in a big way. Yeah, it's like CBS Star Trek, right? Disney Plus Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's it's funny from everything I've seen, Star Trek Picard is the real deal. That's what man. people are saying. It, like they it's said, it's so absolutely good. outstanding. Um, and, and right now, it feels like the biggest thing going at the moment. I know you could have watched. Uh, I didn't find this out until a day after. They had it on CBS.com uh, to watch for free, the first episode for a week. They put it out there. <laughs> I didn't know that until it was too late. Um, you know, I'm gonna, uh, Speaking of, I found this out just recently. I want to skip down to the, the second to last story. Okay. Because Quantum Leap is returning. It is with Scott Bakula. Isn't that a film, though? And it's going to be on CBS All Access. But it is a film, not a. I think TV it was show. this NBC. It's I don't know. From, from what I saw, I've, heard, I've I've seen both. It's either a film that's gonna kind of wrap things up a little bit more uh, favorably for the fans because it was a very sad and un- oh, unfulfilling man. ending. Yeah. Um, 
And I didn't uh, realize that was going to be on CBS All Access. Though. It was an NBC show, as That's I recall. That's what I thought. But I think somehow the rights got switched around to. I, I'm absolutely want to watch this, by the way. Oh yeah. Um, and I almost want to go back and revisit the series. Which, yeah, because he never got home, right? He did not. Um, he never returned home. That was like the, the and that's and what they did, as I recall, because they just put a black slate up because he has a conversation with someone in a bar, and a lot of people think it was God. Mm-hmm. And then he has this conversation, and then it the fades to black, and it just says Dr. Sam Beckett never returned home. And you're like, what? That's all we get, you know? And it really was a sad ending. And I think that that hopefully they're gonna do something about that. Let's let's be honest. Um, Getting back on tracks, so I just no, no. I honestly, I just, I thought it was a film. That's well, I've heard both. Like, I, there's really, they know, we know it's a reboot. We know that it involves the original cast. I even think, uh, what's his name, Dean Stockwell. I looked it up earlier. Dean Stockwell, who played Al, mm-hmm. is supposed to be back as well. See, and that's the thing. I saw the word reboot too. So, is it actually going to you know, be our conclusion we're no, looking for? Or are they starting over? It's funny because the re- the word reboot is overused. I hate it so much. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, they did they described. Star Trek Picard is a reboot. I'm like, it's not a reboot. It's a it's revival. A, re- no, a revival or a relaunch. It's even. a revival or a relaunch. It's, and like Quantum see, Leap with the same characters is a revival. And this is the argument I was having with you guys for a long time with Marvel continuing to change his name with like Marvel Now and all new Marvel. Yeah. I'm like, these aren't reboots. They're relaunches or revivals of things to yeah, keep them going. So what is it? Is it an actual reboot? Are we getting a brand new guy trapped in somebody else's body jumping right. from one to it or are we getting sense. a continuation like a, i mean all right so i one of my other favorite shows as a kid was macgyver and they they oh, have yeah. a macgyver show that's a reboot because it's a new actor new new cast new is there a macgyver show again? yeah it's been on for like ever i, I don't yeah, know i knew nothing so about it's, it, it you, can, you can catch it on cbs all access i'm sure oh, boy um but yeah I, I agree with you that but this is supposedly the original cast is is factoring in this um so we'll see. I, I'm that excited. That could for be it. very exciting. Yeah, it could be. So we're uh, Masters of the Universe updates. Shortly, I remember. I think it was last time we recorded. I was really excited because Masters of the Universe was announced for March 5th, 2021, and it's back in turnaround again, <laughs> with no release date and no word as to why the film is delayed. And okay, I will probably try not to report on the next time it has a release date. But I will. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that are getting pushed, uh, man, one of the Disney Plus shows I'm the most – oh, Disney Plus, right? Another streaming service. Uh, one of the ones I was the most excited about was Hawkeye because there's that feel that it was coming from that Matt Fraction, David Aya run yeah. that I I absolutely love. And I did too. Um, and they're having casting issues is my understanding. Something to do with Kate that they can't find the right person to – play her i don't know i was reading a lot of really questionable things that it sounds like that might be it but it might be something else maybe there's something wrong with the pizza dog i don't like with lucky uh it depends how well you know you know unfortunately i heard that also it has to do with uh what's his name jeremy renner yeah got himself in a little bit of trouble apparently not a very nice guy yeah so they're re-evaluating there there's been a lot but as of right now it's delayed with no release date and Honestly, that's bad news for Disney Plus because it was on their rundown of things coming out. At the same time, Disney Plus seems to be finally figuring out that they need to put more things out. Uh, but Disney Plus keeps delaying things, don't they, Darren? Boy, they sure do because the Obi Wan series was on hold, and this was, I that's think, a bummer, for man. Both, I want to say for both Tim and I, 
it was our number one thing when we did that. Uh, what what, what, are, what we are we most for? looking for? It was yeah. both for both of us. It was number one, I believe. I know, I know it was for me for sure. And it has been delayed after rumors that it had actually been scrapped. There was about a 24, 48-hour period where they just it, yeah, it it looked like it was happening. done. Um, and these rumors circulated last late last month. The show will shoot early next year, and details are conflicted uh, as to whether or not it's going to be six to eight episodes. Disney is pumping a reported $25 million into each episode. That's insane. Um, and it will only reportedly run for one season, so it's a one-and-done I'm okay situation. with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, and this is the thing that I, th- I find we have a problem with, like, in our group of people, I think. We just want more and more and more and more of stuff. And sometimes one-and-done's great. It's, it's the same argument I've had with a few people about Stranger Things, where, like, they're saying, like, there might be one more season, and then it wraps or whatever. Um... Sometimes less is better. You oh, keep absolutely. Pushing and pushing and pushing, you end up with terrible seasons, and then they get canceled, and you don't get the conclusion you want anyhow. Right. So, especially with Obi Wan, you read the the Star Wars comic after A New Hope, right? From Marvel, Wait, the Marvel one that was. When did it come out? Twenty sixteen, I think. 2017, 2018. The Star Wars comic after A New Hope. Like, that came out concurrent with Darth Vader. Like, the newer Marvel stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they had those. For about, what, 35 issues? Okay. Yeah, I didn't follow it through to the end. They had those cool Obi Wan stories that was Luke reading his his journal. So, you did, you got the. I saw some of those. Okay. So, like, if the show plays like that, I think less will be good. Um, I think it'd be very, very cool. It'd be a cool approach to it, also. Um, But. We'll see, man. But if it's not starting until 2021 filming, we'll see right. it in 2022. Right. So it's obviously not not coming next year. I'm going to have to renew my Disney Plus to even see it. Is that right? Because we'll did we do the three? Because this will be... 2021. 20, no, that'll be our last year We'll, we'll still it. have it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and more Star Wars news. Have you heard about this? Uh, director Colin Trevorrow, who was canned... Um, partway through the production of the final Star Wars mm-hmm. legacy film, Episode Nine, which then became Rise of Skywalker with J.J. Abrams, his script for what would have been Episode Nine has been all over the place on the internet. Have you seen any of this? I honestly, I wasn't, I didn't know what it was until I saw this on the rundown, and I saw all this stuff about it today, but I didn't get the chance to actually sit down and read. So the movie was going to be called Episode 9, Duel of the Fates. I got that much. Um, And here's some of the things that we would have seen. Uh, Palpatine was not going to return in his place. uh, I guess we've known for a long time Darth Plagueis was his master, Palpatine's master. Sure. But uh, we were going to get Tor Valum, who was Palpatine's original master, who was supposedly... Um, the most powerful Sith Lord. And I looked at some of the concept art for Tor Valum. Really creepy. Um, and he, Valum, this Valum would train Kylo Ren. Finn would lead the resistance on Coruscant to reclaim the Jedi Temple having been occupied by the First Order. Kylo would need his mask after having been disfigured by an exploding holocron. So the holocrons were featured in this film, and they did feature heavily Mm -hmm. in the Rise of Skywalker. Kylo would duel Darth Vader's Force Ghost, very much the same way Luke dueled Darth Vader's Force Ghost in The Empire Strikes Back. 
Um, Luke would be tormenting Kylo throughout the movie. And it did appear that Luke would be training Rey and tormenting Kylo Ren simultaneously. Many Force ghosts would have appeared um, in a moment that so most certainly would have made me cry. R2-D2 would have been destroyed um, with no hope of repair. Uh, Finn and Poe would have a stolen Star Destroyer and using it to run attacks on the First Order. Um, when I read through that, it was clearly Kylo Ren's movie, and Rey was almost not mentioned at all, which is the complete reverse, where Rise of Skywalker yeah. was absolutely Rey's movie, with Kylo Ren you know, serving a supporting role. Um, i got to say, some of this sounds pretty cool, um, but... I was pretty happy with the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I mean, it still gets a crap ton of hate, but I mean, I think it's almost impossible for a movie like that to come out and not get hate. I, I mean, I don't know. I think it falls apart because of the second chapter. I, I I agree. I feel like they spent a large portion, at least a third of that movie, trying to repair some of the things from the second. Yeah, movie. we we spoke at length about yeah. this. I'll, like, you know, like, I'll wrap it up by saying this: it, it is the Force is all about what. Balance. They always say you have to bring oh, balance like, to the force. I was like, wait, what? And then, so what do they have? We have one epic trilogy, mm -hmm. one crap trilogy, and one eh trilogy. So there is absolutely balance to the force. I'm just glad that you were able to come out of the last one saying the trilogy was eh. Oh, you know, can that. I tell you? Yeah. I'm on a total Star Wars kick all of a sudden. Good. First of all, I think I sent you the pictures. CJ has totally mm -hmm. discovered Star Wars, and he's like, he loves the Rancor monster. That's awesome. Loves That's that awesome. thing. I found a Micro Machines Action Fleet Rancor playset from 1996 on eBay, and I got it for him for his birthday, and he loves that thing. I've actually uh, been on a weird one myself, and I've been reading the the trades of the uh, that Star Wars Marvel series that we were just talking about yeah. uh, because it's on Comixology, and I, oh, have, yeah? I have the six bucks a month unlimited. Oh, is it good? So uh, I'm loving it. I just read a Yoda story that was really, really cool. And so, like, yeah, I'm feeling it. Like, I don't know. I think Rise of Skywalker did something good in that sense. Yeah, it did. It, it definitely did. But regardless, one last piece of movie news. Sony has announced that in 2021 they're releasing another untitled Marvel movie that is not the direct sequel to Far From Home. Fantastic Four. I don't know. <laughs> We're not going to try that again, are we? No, Fantastic Four is owned by Fox. Was Fox Disney. Well, I hope. So, I don't know. Honestly, it could easily be another Venom movie. It could be... Uh, something else that's tied to spider-man they have a lot that they can work with in that realm but there's no actual news other than they were like oh yeah by the way we're making another movie and it's marvel based you know it's funny on the rundown i misread that as the um ultimate marvel movie oh no and i was like well that's awfully presumptuous yeah see <laughs> given it, where we've been for the last uh how many years and, and i mean marvel cinematic well, universe but i mean sony sony has some stuff the venom movie was tolerable it wasn't great but it was a fun watch spider-verse and they have the sequel to spider-verse coming so out and that is a fantastic movie they're half owning the tom holland spider-man which is doing a very nice job so who my expectations are higher i don't know because I don't know how I feel about Morbius. We'll see. We will see. I mean, I'll probably you know go see it. And I won't, so you'll see. I will send you an angry text most likely afterward. Here's Morbius because no one asked for Morbius. Yeah, no one asked for it, man, either. Good point. 
And so I loved it. That's my we'll favorite. See. That's my favorite Marvel. All right. All right. So I got to ask you a question. Yeah. Because what we're going to do next are, are our biggest upsets in comic book pop culture history. Those moments with a completely unlikely victor or a moment that you never saw coming. Now, to me, it's got to be a positive moment like, I can't believe that's what happened. Oh, my God, that's awesome. Now, let me ask you a question. I, I did pose this question earlier to Tim, and I thought he would get it right away, and he did not. I, we were texting back and forth, but then I sent him a little video, and he understood why. Would you have any inclination as to why I would choose February 2020 to do the biggest upsets of all time february of 2020 there is a significant anniversary which could be considered a, among the greatest upsets of all time for its in Ooh. its in its realm i don't want to sit here on dead air for too long i'm thinking i'm thinking um boy i really don't know all right so and this is one of those, and this is not a shot at you, but this is one of those things where you being a millennial, you may not be as aware of this as Tim and I were. Does the phrase miracle on ice mean anything to you? Yes, I know what it is. What is it? It was the Olympic win, right, uh, with the U.S. team. Uh, I'm on the right track, right? You are absolutely on the right yeah. track. Um, now... If we were going to combine pop culture, and I do think sports is pop culture. See, for me, my, my sports knowledge, regardless of being millennial or otherwise, is just not great. That's like I'm aware of this, but I'm not super My aware sports of knowledge is, is, is contained to things I've witnessed. Yes. Primarily. Um, and let me just say this. Uh, February 2020 marks a pair of anniversaries for American sports, specifically Olympic hockey. The 1960 U.S. Olympic hockey team won gold in Squaw Valley, California, defeating powerhouses Sweden, Germany, Czechoslovakia, Canada, and Russia. All those countries, experts in hockey. Um, and it was the first gold medal that the USA won in that event. Uh, and right now, for those who are interested, YouTube currently has an excellent documentary called The Forgotten Miracle. Check it out. But the more widely known is the miracle on ice. Now, you're right. It was a big upset. And um, it's hard to put into context how big of an upset. Um, so the Russian team had played together for virtually 10 years when the two teams meet in Lake Placid, New York in 1980. Um it is a semi-final match. The Russians had won five out of the last six gold medals. They hadn't lost an international competition in an ungodly amount of time. I think it was like 10 years they had not lost an international competition. Um, they had six or seven of what were widely considered the greatest players of all time, and their goalie, Vladislav Trediak, was considered one of the greatest goalies to ever lace up a pair of skates. Now, here's the thing about this Russian – this is still in a time when the, the, the Olympics had to be amateurs. And what the Russian uh, did was they made sure all these guys were technically conscripted and they were given um, ranks like lieutenant or, mm -hmm. um, or, or corporal in the army uh, so they can, they can fit their team into 
as amateurs, even though they were far from amateurs. A couple of things of note, they played a, a charity series against the NHL All-Stars and beat them three times. They played the best of Canada, went up in the best of Canada and beat the Canadians all three times. And they end up playing a match against the United States, a, a, a friendly is what they call it, in Madison Square Garden about 10 days before the Olympic Games opened. So the United States team, which the United States team had to comprise its team of amateurs. So they were basically picking guys from college who weren't going back to college who did not get a pro contract, whether in the AHL, IHL, or the NHL. So they were kind of picking cast-offs, right? So their coach for the U.S. Olympic team, Herb Brooks, masterminds this entire plan specifically to beat the Russians. And there's there's a great Disney movie called Miracle. There's an even better documentary called The Miracle on Ice, which was produced by HBO. Uh, I, there's no way I can do justice about what uh, Coach Brooks did for this team. But so leading into this Madison Square Garden friendly, the, I think the, the uh, Russian plays their starters like for only like the first period. They end up beating the United States with their backup players 10 to 3 so it, it starts to become this national joke like oh the united states hockey team they're gonna get crushed and like placid and you know the united states goes in and they play i can't remember who it was it was like east germany or, or, or something like that and they tie them in the first game which the united states was picked to finish last mm -hmm. in this they weren't even they were an afterthought but then they end up going to play czechoslovakia which many thought were the only team that had a shot at beating the Russians. And the United States beats them 7-4. to four. So now people are like, wait a second, what's going on? And then, of course, it sets up the match, the game, which Sports Illustrated, ESPN, said it is the biggest story, the most important moment in American sports history for the 20th century. Um, because at that time, the Cold War was at its peak. You're talking 1980. The Cold War is at its peak. And it's on American soil. And now the Russians have come in here, and they have just dominated everybody. They have killed all the teams they play. And, you know, it's really weird to say, long story short now, the United States hangs with them for two and a half periods. And it's 3-3 going into the third, and the United States scores. And I don't want to give away too much, because you, you just have to see this thing play out. And then, of course, the most famous, maybe of all sports calls, is, you know, there's nine minutes left to play. And it's a one-goal lead against the greatest team ever assembled. It's not an exaggeration to see this is the hockey version of the United States Dream Team back in 1996 with, you know, Magic and Larry and Jordan and all those guys. And now you have a one-goal lead against this greatest team that's ever played, and they hold on to win. And and that's the – you've heard Al Michaels does Monday Night Football. That's You've heard this a million times if you've ever even close to the Olympics where he says, five seconds left, do you believe in miracles? Mm-hmm. So that's where it gets the name, The Miracle on Ice. And it's a moment I remember very vividly because the nation was in really bad shape at the time, right? And I remember my dad grabbing me and taking me down and says, Sud, you're not going to understand this until much later, but just watch. And I remember seeing, like, this just pure joy. And my dad was just, like, not a hockey fan. The whole nation wasn't really a hockey fan. It wasn't an American sport. It was sort of a niche sport. But just that you just beat the Russians, and the Russians are the greatest team ever assembled and the average age for the u.s team was like 19 or 20 and then so they but people always forget that was the semifinal. the united states 
had to beat Finland for the gold. And you go into the third period and they're losing. So what gets me to think about this in terms of comics is there's a moment in the movie and there's a moment that's in the documentary where after the, in the third period, right? Middle of the third period against Finland, gold medal game. They go into intermission. Or excuse me, between the second period and third period, they go into intermission and there's silence in the locker room. And then Herb Brooks gets up and just kind of walks out and says, let me get this straight. You just beat the greatest team ever assembled. And now you're going to go out and lose to Finland? You will take this to your grave. And then walks out and the United States scores like three times. Excuse me. Scores like three times in the third period. And it is considered the greatest moment in American sports. Um, it lifted the spirits of so many people. And on the DVD for the uh, – or on the movie for the documentary, there was the uh, – um, the, you had the Iran Contra affair going on, and that may be not true. There was something they had a, a lot of U.S. hostages who were finally brought back, and the first thing they showed them was the Miracle on Ice, and they were just in tears. Um, so it is, it's one of those moments that I don't think you can quantify or qualify how big of an upset it was. To the more of the point, if you look to your left, I have the Miracle on Ice white jersey and the gold medal blue jersey, and in the center is the 1960 jersey. So I'm obviously a big fan, and yeah. you've seen that. The, the team photo has been yeah. hanging there forever. Um, and I got thinking, what are the biggest upsets in comic book history? Is there something in the pop culture world of comic books and movies and TV or anything that could match something that big? You want me to lead off? Yeah. I think you're going to love because the the way the way this was presented was a little bit different to me, so I didn't go as well, like remember, we're always open for yeah, but like I went more along the lines of since I've been reading versus all time, I went all the way. See, yeah, I, but I, most of this stuff is all right. So here's one, and this is uh, how, you'll you'll like this, and this is the first of the three, my my one of my two honorable mentions, Daniel Larusso over the field at the 1984 All Valley eight, under 18 Karate Tournament. Um, I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah, I know. Season three is on. Yeah, time. yeah, I hear you. And how about this one? A small group of X-wing fighters blows up the Death Star. Okay. And I think you, if you don't have what I have at number one, you will switch your number one to what I've got. Yeah, I definitely don't. I almost, almost guarantee. Do you want, see again? I approach this slightly differently. I'm glad this is so. This is so I went. I went the other way around of things that were upsetting. Not ver Not like actual wins, but like. Are you kidding me? That actually happened. Yeah. Okay. So that's what, that's my number one. So that's my number one is exactly like. All right. So give me. I'll give you my two runners up because th I think it'll be better this way on this. So my first was the fact that Peter Parker actually lost to Doc Ock during the Freaky Friday switch for uh, the Superior Spider-Man. It was very upsetting. Made no sense. Was amazed that it even went down. My second was that Scott Summers successfully kills Professor Xavier during Avengers versus X-Men. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it's upsetting, right? It it's is. not what you'd expect. So that and again, that's how I went with this. So when I talk about my number one, you'll understand why it's upsetting. Yeah, but okay. go ahead. My number one is the creation of Miles Morales. Okay. Insofar as had you told me that we're going to replace Peter Parker as Spider-Man, and it's going to be with a kid, and you're going to love this kid, and you're going to accept him as Spider-Man. And the animated movie, which features Miles Morales, would end up being easily in your top ten for superhero movies. 
no way would have I agreed to that. But that is what happened. I absolutely agree that Miles Morales may be every bit as Spider-Man as Peter Parker. Doesn't have the legacy, no, because he's too new. But when I see when I see pictures of Miles Morales, that's Spider-Man to me. Which just is, as much as Peter Parker. I get it. That's amazing. That's the to me is like, do you believe in miracles? Yes. I mean, that to me is as that's huge. I think we talked about this a lot, like early on when because I was reading the Miles Morales stuff, and you're like, well, how is it anyway? And I was like, it's fantastic. It's surprisingly how good it is. And yeah, I get it completely because I know when I was reading the Ultimate Spider-Man stuff, which I'll talk about a little bit more uh, later, that hearing that Peter Parker was going to die, I thought it was going to be like every other type of comic book where he would just be back. And that was that. So yeah, I, I get it. The idea that somebody else could fill those tights as well is, is shocking. Yeah. It's a uh, stunning, a stunning upset, as stunning an upset as there has been in sports. Fair enough. Ready for mine. I am. Who stands for America in comics other than Superman? Captain America. Captain America. Do you know what was upsetting in recent history? Captain America is the biggest Hydra oh, agent yeah. ever. Jeez. This was the first thing that hopped to my mind when I saw this subject, the greatest upsets, because I've never been a giant Captain America fan to begin with. I've always found it kind of hit or miss very very much so a guy throwing a shield around whatever super strength whatever uh but i'd recently started to get into it a little bit and i was like okay i see where it's going i see where it's going all right fighting for the country okay he's a hydra agent that makes no sense why is this happening why is this thing that has been built up forever our boy one the united states is so anti everything that he stands for and it's just like the longest con ever. And of course, there, there's Cosmic Cube stuff and blah, blah, blah. But it was still a long enough run in which he was the bad guy that it, it was upsetting. So like I said, I approach this a little bit differently than you. Uh, but I think it works. I think it's Oh, a, it does. I, I mean, I that's a, a stunning upset. Like, no way would you ever expect Captain America to be Hydra, it's like all of a sudden, like you find out Superman's been working with Lex Luthor the whole time, right? So when they did that, was it he had been there like the entire legacy of Captain America? From he was the, a double agent from the very beginning, a even double him, agent the whole time. Even him wow. getting the the soldier serum, like it was all it was all Hydra, it was all now did Nazis? Did he know going in that he was an agent of Hydra when he got the super serum, or was that something that they orchestrated? He did it for Hydra. Man, like it was, it was weird. Like I just remember reading it in like disbelief, and then trying to explain it to people afterward. And I was like, I, I don't know. So they, you say that the cosmic cubes. Now the cosmic cubes. Did they alter the timeline? Did yes. they alter his memories? They did altered the whole time. Everything. Okay, so it, like, they. I assume they've gone back to status quo and, since then. Yeah. It, well, okay. So there were two Captain Americas because of the different dimensions and okay, the sure. one the hydro cap was sent to jail and right. the other one took his place and rode around the country actually a really good mark wade story about captain america going around the country and trying to like clear his name even though like it was officially cleared by shield 
he went around and tried to show yeah. that he was still for everybody. And that perception was really cool. still being nine tenths of the law. Exactly. So, or so is that possession. One of the two. I mean, it, <laughs> le- it led to it led to some pretty cool stories after the fact, but the whole thing was just kind of a cluster of like, why? So I don't know. It was upsetting. It, it kind of it hurt me still to this day about trying to follow Captain America and Captain America just kind of dry boring. Well, speaking anymore. of things that hurt you, yeah, in a couple of weeks we're going to talk about our saddest moments. In we're we're keeping this comic book base completely. Yes, correct? mine are all from comics. All right, because I actually have four. So okay. we'll we'll talk about those uh, in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about what draws us to comic books. Okay, and. You have a retro review, correct? Yes, I have a retroactive review of Green Arrow, The Longbow Hunters. And for once, I read it too. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I'm really interested to hear what you have to say um, because I think, I bet you it felt a little bit familiar at times. At times. Um, and it's essentially in, in observance of Arrow ending its eight season run. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good show. Yeah, and it was my first Green Arrow comic, so it's very cool. So regardless, that's coming in about two or three weeks. So until then, enjoy your comics.